I'm Steph. And I'm Drew. And you're listening to Spirited Spirits. since I was a young girl. I have watched numerous documentaries, shows, and movies related to the history of Salem, as well as the witch trials and the, the panic around it. And I just recently read a book called A Storm of Witchcraft, The Salem Trials in the American Experience by Emerson W. Baker. For the podcast, I really wanted to focus on the history of the witch trials and the aftermath Namely, the hauntings that still occur in Salem because of the trauma of its past. So this is going to be a two-part series. First, focusing on the true story of the witch trials. And then in part two, we will explore the hauntings. There's a lot of information, so I'm going to distill it down to make it more palpable for our listeners. If I went into all the background information that is covered in the book... We would have a 10-part series, and there are other podcasts who have done that way better than I ever could. For example, Aaron Mankey's Unobscured Season 1. So for our podcast, I wanted to focus on the main story and those accused, because what many people don't realize is that those who were executed had refused to confess to witchcraft. They stood their ground, and they refused to admit to something they hadn't done even if it meant they would lose their lives. And in my opinion, these were Christian martyrs. Ironically, all those who did confess survived. At least 156 people were formally accused, but only 20 people were executed. Now, before I get too deep into the story, let's tell people what we're drinking tonight. Yeah, tonight we are enjoying a witch's brew cocktail. And it's made with bourbon. Yeah, Maker's um, Mark. It's um, it's got four ounces of Maker's Mark. Okay. Um, seven ounces of pomegranate juice. Um, a couple splashes. It's about like a couple tablespoons of lemon juice, and a couple tablespoons of um, I use Chambord or raspberry liqueur, and then we added in some of this uh, black edible glitter. To give it a fun little effect, which is kind of hard to see in the photos. I'm going to get those posted here in a minute. But, um, oh, and I added in the skull ice cube right. for fun effect. And I guess, we, yeah, so we're kind of calling it the witch's brew or something fun for Halloween and witch, the story of witches. Right. Or were, were they really, though? Right. <laughs> so um, let's get started, shall we? Sounds good. All right. In January of 1692, two young girls in Salem Village Parsonage were stricken with a strange sickness. Nine-year-old Betty, daughter of Reverend Samuel Paris, the minister of Salem Village Church, and his 11-year-old niece, Abigail, claimed they were bitten and pinched by something or someone unseen. They experienced fever and convulsions. Reverend Paris asked Reverend John Hale to come to his house to observe the girls' behavior. Scholars believe Dr. William Griggs also attended to the girls, and he's the one who determined that they were, quote, under an evil hand. The Paris's neighbor, Mary Sibley, told the Paris's two slaves, Tichuba and her husband, John Indian, to make a folk remedy, which essentially is a, it's called a, it's a witch's cake, Okay. And it's supposed to help determine who is tormenting tormenting the children. They believe that if you mixed rye meal with the girl's urine and baked it into a cake-like mixture and then fed that cake to the family dog, that if the dog began exhibit, exhibiting symptoms, then it proved witchcraft was the culprit. And then the dog could 
sniff out the witch. It's kind of hard to explain this folklore around this because there's also some that said because the dog is like a familiar for a witch, they could point out who the witch is because they, I, it was kind of hard to explain fully. I was really worried we were going to feed the urine cake to the kids. <laughs> when no. I was really invested and I was like, whoa, because I was thinking that that was going to happen. No, no, no. Okay. It was fed to the dog. Okay. I mean, honestly, though, still still weird. Yeah. But this is a folk remedy that they had carried on from, like, traditions when back in England. Okay? Right. Reverend Paris condemned what Mary Sibley had suggested because he saw it as a form of white magic, which he said was still of Satan. However, the girls soon exclaimed that Tituba was the witch tormenting them and that her specter would chase them. Then, across town, young Anne Putnam, age 12, who was the daughter of Thomas and Anne Putnam. So, there was young Anne Putnam and then her mom, Anne Putnam. Okay. So, they kind of named the young girls after their mothers. Got it. Began exhibiting symptoms of demonic affliction. She claimed Sarah Good's specter pinched her and tried to entice her to sign the devil's book. See, they believed that by signing the devil's book, you would make a formal covenant with Satan and give your soul to him. Sarah Good didn't have a very good reputation in town. She was a poor woman and known for her, quote, sharp tongue and outbursts. I've known some women like that. Mm. <laughs> then Elizabeth <laughs> Hubbard, 17-year-old maid for her aunt Rachel Griggs, which was the wife of Dr. William Griggs that I noted earlier, okay. um, claimed that Sarah Good sent a wolf to stalk her. So this is now two girls that are claiming Sarah Good has attacked right. them in some way or tormented them. She also accused Sarah Osborne of hurting her. Sarah Osborne was a bedridden widow who caused quite the scandal when she married an indentured servant after purchasing his contract. So there was an indentured servant, she purchased his contract, and then she ultimately married him. Right. This sounds like a lot. Like, right off. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, hearsay and stuff like that going on. Yes. Yeah. Um, legal proceedings against Tituba, Sarah Good, and Sarah Osborne begin in February. All three were accused of, quote, suspicion of witchcraft. And the local magistrates, Jonathan Corwin and John Hawthorne, issued arrest warrants for the three women. Each woman... Each woman was individually questioned in front of the afflicted girls. Sarah Good was interrogated first, and every time she tried to deny the allegations and protest her innocence, the young girls would act out and claim her specter was lunging at them. Interestingly, when pressed, Sarah Good claimed that Sarah Osborne was actually the one who was hurting the girls, not her. Hathorne questioned Sarah's husband, William Good. And while he said he didn't believe she was a witch, he was quoted as saying, she is an enemy to all good. So based on this, the judges decided Sarah Good would stand trial. Of all the women, Tituba proved to be the most helpful for the judges, not only confessing to be a, being a witch, but also she said that Salem was rampant with witches doing Satan's bidding. She said Satan had come to her and said that she must serve him. She confessed to hurting the girls and apologized for her role, to which the girls immediately calmed down. Because remember, mm. she's being interrogated in front of them. Right. But they soon start reacting again when Tituba confirms that Sarah Good and Sarah Osborne, as well as three other strangers from Boston, are the ones continuing to torment the girls. Then Tituba begins writhing in pain, claiming Osborne and Good were punishing her for confessing. So who was Tituba? There's a lot of like questions around this. Um, she's been described, she was a slave. She's been described as Indian, but many scholars actually believe that she was born in the Caribbean. Okay. And Samuel Paris brought her to New England after migrating from Barbados in 1680. So Tituba is questioned multiple times, and it is from her that we now have the the familiar idea this this legend of the witches riding broomsticks it's because she claims that she was forced to ride quote upon a stick or pole alongside good and osborne 
She also confirms the idea that witches have familiars, which had been written about in multiple texts. Um, and imps, these were imps that were sent by Satan to help the witches carry out their evil acts. So they're like, if you also think of like a familiar spirit, right? Like a um, demonic entity. It's taking the form of an animal. Okay. And that's essentially what a familiar is. Um, in return for their help, the familiar is usually, again, I said in the form of an animal, and it sucks the blood from a witch's teat for nourishment. Okay. Um, black cats were thought to be the most common, but Tichuba explains that Good's familiar is actually a yellow bird. It is also from her testimony that the men learn a witch must sign the devil's book in her own blood, and Tichuba remembered seeing both Osborne and Good's marks in the book. Actually, she said there are a total of nine marks or signatures in the devil's book. So by all accounts, Tichuba appears to be sincere, explaining that she hadn't wanted to hurt the girls, but Satan had threatened her. She was also consistent each and every time she was interrogated. As the accused witches were locked up in jail awaiting trial, the young girl's health seemed to improve. All except Ann Putnam, who claimed she was still being tormented by two specters. One was the specter of Good's four-year-old daughter, Dorothy. And the other was that of Martha Corey. And she wasn't the only one accusing Martha of hurting her. John Proctor's servant, Mary Warren, also pointed the finger at Martha. Then Anne accused Rebecca Nurse. Now, Rebecca Nurse was a pious elderly woman and an upstanding member of the Salem Village Church. So remember, Tichuba had said there were nine witches' marks in the book. Right. Now seven have been accused so far. So we still have two outstanding. It's very interesting. Yeah, what are you thinking so far? So, I'm, you know, I'm always going to kind of look at, like, the psychology, psychology. part of it and mm-hmm. think of the idea of just... And don't go full... too far into theories. Uh, okay, I'm going to wait okay. until the full story, but right. you can go ahead and say your I, initial thoughts. I, my initial thoughts, it feels like, is that Tichuba was the slave that got accused and then started to... Kind of spend more of the story a little bit to, to to kind of like get the heat off of her. Yeah. And then it starts to just snowball. Okay. So that's what my original, like not my original, but like my first thought is. Yes, I understand. Okay. So even though this initially began with young girls having fits, soon adult women and even one man began suffering from attacks by specters. Anne Putnam, the mother of younger Anne, claimed to be attacked. And Bathsheba, Pope, a middle-aged Quaker, said she was struck blind by Martha Corey's specter. Teenager Mercy Lewis, a maid for the Putnam, seemed to suffer the most. She had to be restrained by several men. And ironically, 20-year-old Mary Warren, a servant to the Proctors, was suffering fits, but she, quote, recovered after John Proctor threatened to beat her. Oh. He was very critical of the witch trials and essentially said a good beating would help drive out the devil. Soon, and not surprising at all, John is accused and arrested. Right. So in April, four more accused witches were examined by the court. Bridget Bishop, Giles Corey, who's, you know, Martha Corey's husband, Abigail Hobbs, and Mary Warren. As I said, Mary had been one of the afflicted girls. Now, here she stands accused, and she says that the young girls are lying and faking their fits. This, of course causes the girls to start flailing about in the court during her interrogation. And upon seeing this, Mary tries to start throwing a fit. And she ends up getting hauled off to jail. Ultimately, she confesses to signing the devil's book, saying that the proctors tricked her into doing so. Abigail Hobbs, who was only 14 at the time, also confessed, and it was through her confession that a former minister of Salem Village was accused. Reverend George Burroughs was arrested, as well as four more women. On May 10th, Sarah Osborne passed away in jail, becoming the first victim of the witch trials. Osborne was already in poor health, having been bedridden prior to being arrested, and the horrific conditions of the prison made things much worse. People were unable to bathe. They used chamber pots to relieve themselves. Food was often left to rot. Vermin, fleas, lice, and illness were rampant. Sarah had suffered through all of this for nine weeks. 
By mid-May, more than 40 people had been accused of witchcraft, and specifically malfeasium or harmful witchcraft. I hope I pronounced okay. that correctly. <laughs> in a storm of witchcraft, the Salem Trials and the American Experience, the book I told you about by author Emerson W. Baker, he writes, traditionally, there were only two ways to convict a witch, by the witch's confession or upon the testimony of two eyewitnesses to an act of black magic. However, other evidence could include signs of witchcraft, such as familiars, devil's marks, potions, charms, spellbooks, and other magical writings. An accused witch's property could be searched to find the evidence. But the court relied mostly on spectral evidence, despite Minister Cotton Mather urging them to be cautious of doing so. Mather also believed that they were doing God's work, and therefore God would, quote, vindicate an innocent person whom Satan tried to falsely represent, end quote. By the end of May, 11 more people, both women and men, were accused, even some from outside of Salem. Two of the men accused were of high social ranking, Captain John Flood and Captain John Alden. So before this, it was women of, like, lower class, you know, lower, like, um, you know, po more poor women, right? right. They were con considered outsiders for society. Now you've got high-ranking captains okay. that are being accused. On June 2nd, the court held its first session, hearing the case of Bridget Bishop. Of all those arrested, the judges felt they had the most evidence for conviction against her. Not only did they have the young, afflicted girls accusing her of tormenting them, but Bishop's own neighbor testified against her, claiming she had a long list of satanic acts. In total, there were ten witnesses. John Bly and his son testified that they found puppets, or small dolls made of hair or fabric with pins poked in them to inflict pain. Wait, so like voodoo dolls? Yeah, well, like a modern day, yeah, exactly. They claimed that they found these puppets between stones while working on her home. However, they did not provide those puppets to the court. Oh, well, of course they didn't. <laughs> right. Bishop was also examined for a witch's teat by Surgeon John Barton and a panel of several women. A witch's teat? E yeah. So the little thing where the, the, it's like a little, if you think of it like a, I, I think of it like a um, skin tag. Okay. On the woman where the familiar would suckle the blood. Okay. So it's not like her actual teat. No. It's a separate teeth. It's something on her arm or her hand or her even So, so let me let so me tell you what they found. Nipples, is what you're saying. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So this is what they found. They claimed that they found quote preternatural acrescence of flesh between the pudendum and anus, much like teats and not usual Whoa, in women. Hold on a second. That's so, a lot of like so, medical terminology. So the witch's teeth is like, like in their like gooch area, for lack of a this, better word. I guess this one was. <laughs> Come on. Okay, again, <laughs> these teats are for the familiar to suckle out for like suckle for nourishment. However, here's the interesting thing: upon reexamination, the teat was gone. Of course, it was. It's probably a piece of toilet paper. Just like the poppets, right? <laughs> they were gone. They couldn't be produced in court. So Bridget Bishop was found guilty and sentenced to be hanged. On June 10th, Sheriff Corwin and his men escorted Bishop to the outskirts of Salem Town, which would later be called Gallows Hill. Records indicate she was quote hanged by the neck until dead. Hangings during that time were just a short drop off of a ladder. People died from strangulation, not from a broken neck. That's That sounds like a, a way worse death than having your neck broke by mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. hangman's noose. Yeah, for a while, things seemed to get better in Salem. Now, was it because people were so shocked by what happened? They probably had, they're shocked and didn't put a toe out of line for anything. They right. didn't say anything to anybody about anything they were doing. Right. For about two weeks, there were no new suspects named. One of the judges resigned because he was unhappy with the proceedings. Okay. But then, on June 13th, Governor Phipps, this is the governor of Massachusetts, met with his counsel and four of the judges. They wanted to poll a group of ministers in the colony to determine if spectral evidence was still the best option. 
The ministers responded with concerns, but they also said they supported the judge's complicated task of trying accused witches. However, they later received a message from a Baptist minister in Boston who warned them against relying too heavily on spectral evidence in court, saying, quote, a woeful chain of consequences will undoubtedly follow, end quote. The judges did not appreciate this criticism. These Puritan men believed that Baptists were too radical, so they chose to continue as they had. And on June 28th, the court reconvened and convicted five more women of witchcraft. Sarah Good, Susanna Martin, Rebecca Nurse, Elizabeth Howe, and Sarah Wilds. Why do I feel like they're just trying to meet their quota at this point? Uh, let's keep going. Okay. During Sarah Good's trial, many of her accusers attestified that her specter had tormented them. One woman even claimed her child was pinched and tortured by Sarah Good. And they had Tituba and others supposed witch confessions that confirmed that Sarah was a witch, having signed the devil's book and was riding on broomsticks with them to attend witches' gatherings. So she was convicted, as was Susanna Martin. Now, Rebecca Nurse's trial proved to be more challenging. See, as I said earlier, Rebecca's a seven-year-old woman with an unblemished reputation. She also had family members who were willing to come to her defense. Her family actually went out of their way to try to overturn her indictment by showing evidence that those who accused her were lying. 39 people signed a petition to advocate for her innocence. Initially, she was actually found not guilty. Of course, this caused an uproar in the court and the young girls who were afflicted started crying out in pain. And one of the judges urged the jury to reconsider based on, quote, a damning statement, end quote, that Rebecca had made. So now, what was that statement? Yeah, I was ask what the statement was. <laughs> she had made a comment such as, she is one of us. Okay, it was like, she is one of us. And the judges seemed to think that implied that she was confirming that she was part of a coven of witches. Okay. When Rebecca was questioned about the statement, she remained silent. The jury then found her guilty because of her silence. They assumed she was guilty because she didn't, say she didn't say anything. Outraged, her family went to Governor Phipps to complain and explain the reason that she hadn't answered was because she was hard of hearing and she didn't hear the question being asked. She was partially deaf. Like, like, no, in a way, nearly in a, deaf. Like, like, in a way, like, according in... to her family, yes. Oh my God, that sucks. So, Governor Phipps offered exoneration to the family, but then withdrew it after people complained. Well, that's good. I'm glad your, you know, moral fiber is good. There. Exactly. So, her conviction was upheld, and this was actually a turning point in the Salem witch trials because if Rebecca, this pious woman, right, could get couldn't get acquitted of these crimes with all of these people backing her up, then no one was safe. No one in Salem was safe from accusations and therefore conviction. So Elizabeth Howe and Sarah Wilds were also convicted, which wasn't surprising. Apparently they had been suspected of witchcraft for many years. So on July 19th, the five women were taken to Gallows Hill. Sarah Good was given the opportunity to confess to which she responded, quote, I am no more a witch than you are a wizard, and if you take away my life, God will give you blood to drink, end quote. She was quoting from Revelations 16.6, but in a strange coincidence, or perhaps an act of God, Nicholas Noyes, or Noyes, um, the junior minister who had asked her to confess, or if she would confess, died by choking on his own blood after suffering from internal hemorrhage many really? years later. Yep. And that's documented. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. Um, these executions just flamed the fires. The, there were more accusations, more arrests. Soon surrounding areas were affected, with residents reporting seeing phantoms. In the neighboring town of Andover, three women were accused. Anne Foster... Her daughter, Mary Lacey Sr., and granddaughter, Mary Lacey Jr. All three confessed and provided names of other witches in their town. Clearly, word was spreading that if you just confessed, you didn't have to stand trial immediately. There's also evidence to suggest that people were tortured into confessing. See, one thing you need to understand here is that 
Puritans believed that lying was a mortal sin. And by doing so, it earned you a one-way ticket to hell when you died. So those who were refusing to confess and choosing to die were doing so because they didn't want to to lie and then ultimately die and go to hell. So So if you confessed and said you were a witch, you would live? Yes. What? All of the people who were executed refused to confess. And the ones that, like, said, oh, yeah. And provided more names for the court, lived. Or they might have died in prison, but the bulk of them lived. It's a hell of a survival technique, by the way. But do you hear what I'm saying, though, about these Puritans? Their whole lives were wrapped around their religion. And for them, if they weren't truly doing witchcraft and they just confessed to something they weren't doing they knew that they would go to hell afterward right not because of the witchcraft but because of lying right and so they stood their ground and they chose to die right rather than lie right so as i said um okay so on august 2nd the court met for a third time to hear six new cases first was martha carrier Named by Mary Lacey Jr. during her confession, she was quickly convicted. And Cotton Mather wrote that Martha was, quote, a rampant hag, end quote, and that her children would agree that the devil would make her queen of hell. We're just, like, creating all sorts of lore at this point. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's just, you know, it's all like, it's all rumor and hearsay and... Um, Hysteria. Yeah, I mean, yes, it is. But it's also just like if you have a vendetta against someone or if, you, if, right. if they're someone, if you your know, neighbor, not agreeable with you. They're, they're a witch. They're a rampant yeah. hag. So the five additional trials were for John Proctor and his wife Elizabeth, John Willard, George Jacobs, and Reverend George Burroughs. The Proctors were found guilty thanks to their servant Mary's testimony. That's the Mary that, remember, John threatened to beat the devil out of. Right, that guy sucks. (laughs) Well, there were two petitions with several signatures in support of the Proctors, but the court didn't care. John Proctor was sentenced to death by hanging. His wife, Elizabeth, was as well, but what saved her from execution was the fact that she was pregnant at the time. Oh, okay. John Willard and George Jacobs were also convicted of witchcraft. John was said to have exclaimed, quote, well, burn me or hang me. I will stand in the truth of Christ. Talk about, like, your religious beliefs, like, coming back to, like, you know, kind of, like, almost, like, backfire on you a little bit. Just because, like, you know, these people, like, the, the higher-ups, like, the ones that are, like, are, like, you're a witch and you're a witch and you're a witch. And they're, like, well, no, like, lying is bad. Like, we've already said this, so I'm not right. lying. Right. And, and when they're the ones that are getting getting executed and the ones are like no like she's the one that made me a witch and she i'm under her like spell Mm -hmm. like i'm literally lying to save my own ass Mm -hmm. like and and causing the fire to even spread even further yep reverend burrow's trial was held august 5th and he was accused of being the ringleader for the witches not surprisingly he was found guilty Two weeks later, the four men and Martha Carrier were executed on Gallows Hill. All maintained their innocence, and they took it a step further. They actually said that they forgave their accusers, judges, and jury. Burrow also perfectly recited the Lord's Prayer, something they believed was impossible if you were in league with the devil. The crowd was shocked and started to whisper that the hanging should should stop, but Cotton Mather explained that, quote, the devil has often been transformed into an angel of light, end quote. Essentially, what he was saying was that even Satan can quote scripture. We can we can justify this. However, <laughs> we, need however to. we need to. Exactly. <laughs> so the executions commenced. As I noted earlier, these hangings were not quick affairs. Large groups would gather to watch these people fall to their deaths, which, again, isn't really much of a fault. They would watch the witches walk up the ladder. These are accused witches, right? Right. Walk up a ladder with a noose around their necks, and then they were essentially kind of pushed, or the the terminology was turned off the ladder 
and they would then dangle from a tree branch. And this type of execution could take up to 45 minutes for the person to Jeez. succumb to strangulation. What a, what a slow and agonizing death. And you think about it also, yeah. you're panicking. You're probably trying to like pull at whatever. I mean, their, their hands probably are probably bound. Well, the, the hands are probably bound, oh, I yeah, would say. Maybe, maybe but, yeah. But the thing is, though, is like you're watching all these people just watch you and not do anything to save you. Mm-hmm. And especially like some of these ones that are like, oh, like, hey, like we've done this for like quite a while. Maybe we shouldn't do these hangings anymore. Right. And then the guy's like, oh, no, that's just Satan. Like, you know, he can speak the word to and right. and just kind of like justifying it. And I'm like, oh, well, I guess so. I mean, <laughs> and just like, you know, watching your friend basically die slowly in an hour and but also the thing is too like this was also probably entertaining a little bit too mm-hmm. yeah. their lives were so boring. mundane and boring i mean well they they had a job to do they had to take care of their farms they had to right. take care of their homes they so, had to prepare food they had to make sure so you know going, they had going to the like gallows. The, hang, the gallows on the hanging on friday night was probably like friday night lights to them i mean it was probably like the the thing that you go to they probably have something like macabre excite, excitement for it exactly yeah well it's important to note that these people will not give in proper burials often a shallow grave was dug near the site and then they would dump the bodies inside that probably smelled after a while yeah well some family members of the condemned actually removed the bodies at night and they would rebury them in a family plot or near the home that's kind of that's really sad yeah because you think about it is that these folk were buried in a way that was like you're less than human and here's the family that's like, well, no, this is my dad, my sister, my mom, whatever. Yeah. I'm going to dig her up and take her home with me and bury her where she needs to be. Yeah. Man. Mm-hmm. Awful. And a lot of these families tried so hard to help them right. to not have to go to the gallows. And it didn't even matter. So the accusations and confessions continued, not surprisingly. During August and September, charges were brought on 40 more witches, namely from surrounding towns. And as more people confessed, more people were named. And people started speaking out against the proceedings. Major Robert Pike, a leading magistrate in Salisbury, wrote to Judge Jonathan Corwin to express his concerns about spectral evidence, suggesting that Satan could impersonate innocent people if he wanted to. And it would be best to let a guilty person live rather than allow an innocent person to die. So essentially he was like, what? the blood is on y'all's hands <laughs> yeah. if, if it's an innocent person you all are condemning here. Right. However, these concerns seem to fall on deaf ears. And the court met again in September, hearing 17 new cases. Six cases the first week and nine the second. All were found guilty, including Mary Bradbury, wife of Captain Thomas Bradbury, a well-respected, high-ranking citizen in Salisbury. Mary had more than 100 friends, I think it was like 119 or so, that vouched for her in a petition. They signed a petition testifying to her strong religious devotion. Even her minister spoke up to say that she had lived, quote, a life full of works of charity and mercy to the sick and poor, end quote. But it didn't matter. Why didn't it matter? Did you? They just had it in their mind. I, I think they were just convicting everyone. Like, so it's, it didn't it's matter like how point. many petitions yeah, right. they had spectral evidence, and that was it. That's all they accepted. Spectral right. evidence. We're, that's So at this someone point. Someone says they saw your ghost pinching them. Right. Period. The end. You're you're guilty. Right. So at this point, they have to double down, triple down as much as possible, mm-hmm. because even if they say like, well, you know, hey, like Mary Bradbury, you know, she has a hundred people vouching for, you know, it sounds like maybe possibly she might not be a witch. They're gonna be like, well, what about this person? What about this person? What about this person? And then at that point, they're questioning yeah. their leadership. Yep. Mm. Yeah. So. Then there was the case of Giles Corey. Many of you have probably heard of him. It's a very famous name. Um, He had been indicted along with his wife, Martha, who I mentioned earlier, remember? Yes. She was found guilty. But Corey refused to answer if he was willing to stand trial. See, back then you had to actually 
they would say, are you willing to stand before God? And, you know, and he refused to respond. Okay. And I saw that in this documentary that this was because he knew that if he did respond, any, anyone who had responded, that they were willing to stand trial, had their property taken away from them. But it wasn't just them. It was like their heirs couldn't inherit. So if he were to lose his property, it would mean his son or whoever would not get it when he died. So he was smart. He knew right. if I respond to this, they're going to take away my, my property from my son, potentially getting it in, the, in my impending death. Right. So he remained quiet and the court officers invoked, and I'm probably going to butcher this, bien, bien fort, ou, sorry, bien fort et dur which means strong and hard punishment. It's a French terminology. It's a traditional English, but it came from French form of punishment. Okay. It was rarely used because it's so brutal. Um, essentially what they did is they laid Corey down between two wooden planks. They then began added to add weight to the boards in the form of heavy rocks or stones. As he continued to refuse to respond to their questioning, they piled more and more rocks on top of his chest. Now, legend says his last words were, more weight, before being crushed to death under the weight of the stones. Okay, so this guy is the William Wallace from Braveheart, <laughs> like, like, person of this story. Because, I mean, like, he's literally, like, getting tortured yeah and and just not not kind of not willing in. to give in yeah yeah I so mean, i i i get where he's coming from i mean he doesn't want his kids and his heirs to suffer for you know for anything but man these rules i feel like they're just like these rules of this of this court and like confessing i feel like it's mm -hmm. always evolving like oh well this is another thing we're adding this is another thing we're adding like type of type of situation. Well, they had rules and regulations they used, um, the court, but it just seems in like... this particular case, I feel like they went whoa. Like they, I don't know why. I don't know if there was someone who had a vendetta against Charles Corey, and they wanted to see him suffer. Um, but they took it above and beyond. Right. His wife Martha was hanged just three days later, along with seven others who had been found guilty of witchcraft, Margaret Scott, Mary Esty, Alice Parker, Anne Pudieter, Wilmot Red, Samuel Wardwell, and Mary Parker. But remember, I said that they had tried 17 cases and all were found guilty. Well, many of those who confessed managed to avoid execution. Mm. Also... <laughs> Interesting. Mary Bradbury, who remember I said was the wife of Captain Thomas Bradbury? Yes. The, the like, well-respected, high-ranking citizen. Okay. Was granted a temporary reprieve, which then gave her supporters the, the opportunity to help her escape from jail. <laughs> so she actually, she's put, you know, because she, her execution is like, there's a reprieve and she, she doesn't have to go. They, she's still in jail. They managed to get her out and they hid her. They put her in into... She went into hiding to avoid the hangman's noose. Okay. All right. So people that are like, okay, and this pop, the podcast, I know like probably isn't going to reach this far, but people that are in Hollywood. Okay. This is what I need you to do. I need you to make a movie. Okay. It's like, <laughs> how many crucible. movies have we had it's about like, it's like a crucible, the Salem but, witch trials. but I want it to be a heist story. <laughs> Where all there's like this, this group of Mary Bradbury, all this group of people have to get Mary Bradbury out, and it's about <laughs> it's like an Ocean's Eleven situation, oh but it's like a witch trials version of it. Okay, this sounds awesome. I'm actually never mind, I'm gonna write it, I'm gonna sell it to you. Patent pending, or I got like you know, copyright pending. Okay, <laughs> I think it's maybe let's take a break for a second to like make another cocktail, okay, before we go on to the rest of the story. Sounds good. Um, while we're taking a quick break, I wanted to let you know how you can help support the podcast. Of course, we love the fact that you listen to us. Um, we love that you follow us on Instagram and comment on our photos. 
But we would love it if you like our podcast, if you could share it with your family and friends that you think might be interested in spooky, paranormal, true crime stuff, then share our podcast with them. We are on all major podcast platforms. Um, Also, like and review us on those platforms so that we get more uh, ratings. That would be fantastic. Um, Also, if you're not following us on Instagram, we hope that you will. We are at spirited underscore spirits underscore podcast. And on there on our profile, you can actually click our link tree and get more information. Um, We have a buy us a coffee account. Um, Haven't received any coffees just yet, but (laughs) we thought we would go ahead and um, sign up for that. And we would love it if you, if you're able to help us out, that would be great financially. Um, Otherwise, just keep listening, sharing the podcast, rating, reviewing, and we appreciate all your support. Now back to the show. A growing number of people began to oppose the trials. They could see that despite the lack of evidence and petitions in support of those accused, if you went to trial, you were convicted, period. And if you confessed, you remained alive. And some people saw signs of God's disapproval in tragic situations and natural disasters. There was a fire in Boston's North End, in a, quote, great drought, and an earthquake that destroyed Jamaica, killing thousands of people. Sounds a lot like, um, fuck around and find out. God's wrath. (laughs) God's wrath. Um, Perhaps this is why Increase Mather decided to write a manuscript of his soon-to-be-published Cases of Conscience, in which he argued against using spectral evidence. Imagine that. He presented this to the to Governor Phipps, along with 14 signatures of ministers in support of his argument. On October 12th, Governor Phipps reported to his superiors in England that he was halting future witch trials, stating, quote, I found that the devil had taken upon him the name and shape of several persons who were doubtless innocent and to my certain knowledge of good reputation. End quote. What's interesting about this is that Governor Phipps' wife, Lady Mary Phipps, had recently been accused. So, I suspect this was the true reason for his desire to end the trials. When you start coming for the Mm -hmm. higher-ups, like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. This wasn't for me. It's for you lowly people. Exactly. So (laughs) he then banned the publication of any account of the trials in an effort to cover up what had happened to his state of Massachusetts. This, yeah... This is very interesting. I didn't know all this stuff about the, Yeah, the a lot of people don't. Right. There's a lot of, like, things that you don't know. The right. true story of, yeah. So, as of January, there were still more than 50 people in jail. And Governor Phipps offered freedom to some of those who could actually post bail. Meaning, you had to pay, right? Right, of course. Charges were dismissed for 30 defendants. But the court still tried 22 accused witches. Although only three were found guilty this time. And there was still the matter of five people who were given stays of execution for various reasons. Under advisement from Attorney General, the Attorney General, Governor Governor Phipps issued reprieves for the eight remaining defendants. Chief Justice William Stoughton was infuriated when he heard the news on February 1st. He believed that witches were still very much a threat to the society, and he wanted the executions to continue. He was quoted as saying, quote, The kingdom of Satan was advanced, and the Lord have mercy on this country. End quote. He walked out, but later returned at the end of April to preside over the last session. The accused were acquitted and freed only after paying their court fees, which was essentially them reimbursing the jail for their room and board. Isn't that nice? Right. And Tichiba, the slave who was kicked off, who kind of kicked off these accusations, right? Because, I mean, the girls named her. Right. And then she began naming other people. Remained in jail after the grand jury decided not to indict her. And because Reverend Paris refused to pay her, her jail fees. It was only after she was sold to another master to cover the costs that she was 
free, quote unquote. I mean, she really wasn't free. She wasn't free because she was a slave. Right. No one knows for sure what happened to her. Well, she went back into the slave system. So she went from one master to another, but was still not really free. And she's like the real victim here. <laughs> I mean, like she was a reason. Like, I mean, she started off and then, you know, was trying to like she probably panicked and was like trying. Well, to... and also I was thinking from being in the the Caribbean uh, or Caribbean, however you want to say it, um, there probably was like yeah, what witch... we would consider witchcraft, but it's like voodoo, hoodoo kind right. of like things that she would discuss or talk about or things so she just it came more naturally for her yes and because she wasn't of the christian religion and she probably did and, some stuff like to to help that was maybe spiritual in her culture that might have been seen as witchcraft right i mean that's not discussed in in what i read but i could but see that being a, a, a possibility well, i could see it not not being a problem for her because again right. she wasn't raised to be of a christian background right so one last bit of information cotton mather wrote a book called wonders of the invisible world which was his attempt to essentially downplay his role in the witch trials and make them less controversial but Thomas Molle, or Mall wrote a book exposing the truth. In Truth Held Forth and Maintained, Thomas criticizes the Massachusetts government and their role in the trials. Now, officials didn't like this, right? So they confiscate copies of the book. Of course. It, see, it had been printed in New York because they were trying to avoid the ban set forth by Massachusetts Governor Phipps. Remember that? How he was, like, banning all published accounts of the witch trials? So they get all the copies of his book, and they burn his books. And they imprison Thomas. But when he stands trial in 1696, he's acquitted. Many view this decision as the first victory of freedom of press in Mm. America, according to author Emerson W. Baker. Yeah. As a former journalist, I find that super fucking cool. Yeah. Go, Thomas. Right. That's I mean, there were so many opportunities to where they could stop this shit. Like, mm-hmm. people spoke up, ministers spoke up and said, don't use spectral evidence. And they kept fucking doing it. Right. And it infuriates me because, and all these people refused to confess because they didn't want to lie and go to hell. And they're the How ones killed. How conflicted would you be? Like that's the thing is like you're taught your entire life to not lie. Yeah. And and like you're like or you'll oh, go to hell. Or you'll go to hell. And so what? What's the? So what do you do if your whole doctrine is like don't lie? And then you're what's the next thing? It's to blame somebody else. Right. And so like you could just say well. I don't like my neighbor because she, you know, I don't know, puts her cows out wrong. And, you know, her chickens, you know, her rooster box at like, you know, six o'clock in the morning. So I'm going to blame her. And at least that way I'm not lying, but I'm trying to like put the almost almost like the scarlet witch letter on somebody else. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, that's why now modern day books are written about this as like a metaphor for other things, right? Right. So, real quick, I want to hear your theory from a psychological standpoint about what was going on and then I kind of want to talk a little bit about I've already kind of not really so much hinted as what my opinion is right. on the, the the topic here, but or, you know, what happened. But I want to hear from your psychological standpoint. Um, I mean, it's 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 just like basic hysteria. Mass hysteria. Mass hysteria theory. I mean, so it's it starts off with, you know, a story or, a, you know, you know, something that, you know, oh, this person is, is, a, is a witch because they made a witch cake or something like that. And, you know these young girls they they get like caught up in the because there's nothing to do right so what do you do in a place there's nothing to do you cause trouble and mischief well these girls these girls were used to doing farm chores and things around the home and cooking and baking and you know and so now all of a sudden there's something that had that that increases your dopamine levels and you're heightened like 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 they're getting the attention yes from these grown men these well-known famous men who are like feeding into this and, and these poor afflicted girls. It's attention-seeking behavior. Yes. 
as the therapist in the family. <laughs> Let me talk about that. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it's like, you know, the whole idea of, oh, look, like, you know, all these people are looking at me and I can, you know, I'm going to act like I am have a fainting spell or like I'm acting like I have, like I'm afflicted by a witch and, um, you know, those type of things and mm-hmm. all the eyes are on me and I can blame, you know, this person that did it. Mm-hmm. And then it goes from there to, well, this person blamed this person, so I'm going to blame this person because I can't tell, I can't, um, you know, lie or anything, you know. And so it's just, it, it just snowballs from that point. And so the lore just takes a mind of its own at that point, and it's just mass hysteria. Right. And it's just people accusing each other for whatever it is. I mean, it could be like, you know, oh, that lady sneezed at church. She's a witch. <laughs> so, I mean, I, mean, um, I mean, she doesn't love the Lord because she sneezed at church. Like, it was a rebuttal during a, a sermon. A rebuttal during a sermon. <laughs> um, um, so, that's that's how I, I see it as because whenever you get a group of people together and there's, like, a lack of information. But also, the thing is, too, is, like, the government kind of fed into it. And they were like, oh, like, yeah, this is totally witches. And then, you know, they start doing this and like they realize well if we're going to get a control on this situation we have to keep kind of upping the ante and no one is safe even if you have a hundred people petitioning for you right and then but then if it's like one of their own wives like well hold on a second Mm -hmm. this is getting a little too far right a little too close to (laughs) home this is a little too close to home here and i'm going to say that maybe witches don't exist or maybe they don't you're not nothing's going on yeah so i think the thing is though is it's a very i mean the witch trials paint a very specific picture of what mass hysteria can look like Mm -hmm. so yeah so with um, a very highly religious focal point right so there's a few things that I want to note. Um, first of all, again, I cannot emphasize enough that these were Christian martyrs who died. These were not real witches. They were people who refused to confess and lie um, because it would mean they would go to hell. And when I first went to Salem, I've only well, I've only been once. I went with my best friend Bryce, and we went for spring break in college one year, um, and she kind of showed me around uh Salem along with her cousin and we got to go and see the memorial because remember they were buried in mass graves right or they were they the bodies were dug up and removed but there's no specific spot there's no tombstone <laughs> per se um for that person but what they did do is a memorial spot where it's like a circle or oval shape um, with stones with each of the names of those who had been executed during the witch trials. And it was a very touching moment for me because I knew some of the history. I didn't know all of it, but I knew a lot. Um, And I've always felt like these people were innocent and Mm -hmm. were killed for absolutely no reason. Mm -hmm. Um, And and the fact, again, the fact that, like, People who confessed were saved and not executed, and those who refused to confess were executed. Just always Which, bothered me. You're right, but also the thing too is like that is completely opposite of what their belief in of I mean their doctrine. Their Puritan theology: you had to confess before God. I guess so. Of your sin, yes. So, um, so I guess anyway, so my, my thing is though too is like if you're like I'm not a witch, you know, and I think I, I guess, and this is. But they just believe the girls. They believe the young girls over the women. So my whole thing is like, you know, you know, in Mighty Python, where it's like, she's a witch, burn her. Mm. Does she weigh more than a duck? Well, that's a whole, like, we could do a whole nother episode (laughs) or two or three on witches and like the England witches and Scottish witches. But but that's my thing is like, that's how I feel like this was done. It was like, does she weigh more than a piece of wood? No, (laughs) there was none of that being done in Salem. There was no... dunking of the water underwater and all that like that was just no that was maybe done in england i think it was done in england in some ways but um all of these women were were, and men were hanged um at gallows hill and so so when you hold on real quick so when you go to salem and you see where kind of gallows hill is and then you see where this memorial is in this cemetery area it's very touching it's very moving um it was a very moving experience for me Mm -hmm. um so 
Also something I wanted to say, I didn't really include it in my, because it wasn't in the book to which I was referring mostly, um, cause I just read it. Um, there was some, a, a documentary I watched was that again, Tichuba, you, you mentioned Tichuba and, right. um, yes. how she was maybe doing some of the like voodoo hoodoo or like folklore things that her people in the Caribbean. So one of the things was they were, uh, a documentary I saw said the girls before they started having their fits, Abigail and Betsy. Yes. That they were doing some other folk magic where you would dump, you would crack an egg and you would dump the egg whites into a cup of water and you would swirl it around and the egg whites would take the shape of whatever, uh, essentially whatever, um, your husband would ultimately do in his career path, like whatever his job was, right. it would show that his profession in the egg whites. So I guess if he was like a farmer, it might show a farm animal. I don't know. It's to- it's not super clear to me, but um, okay. it was through doing the this little folk magic that all of a sudden these girls start then having fits. So like, from a supernatural standpoint, did they open themselves up to being affected in some way by doing this folk magic initially? And right. okay, so my point here is I remember being a young girl and going to sleepovers and we would do light as a feather, stiff as a board. Right. And we would do the crack an egg on your head, let the juice run yeah. down, crack an egg on your head. I was let also, the juice run I, don't, down. I don't know why, but the other thing I was thinking of was like with the mash, the mash game. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's not, a it's, bit, a, it's like, it's like a, it's like a. Trying to foretell your future, yeah, right? Little with a, fortune with a telling fortune games. Teller, yeah. So it's like, does that expose you or open you up to some type of supernatural? Were these girls actually influenced by Satan and by supernatural means, but they were deliberately naming innocent people mm. and i'm saying all this because in the show salem <laughs> oh, i knew it that we watched i'm not we well i watched <laughs> and we. i mentioned in our last episode uh about spooky series to binge this season um they deliberately kill innocent lives because they're trying to bring forth this my thought process is 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 different my okay. thought process is these are young kids. They're who are like, enjoying the attention who, who, of. Well, not, not, no, not, no. They're like, oh, I could totally find out if this guy that you really like likes you. Yeah. And let me do this thing that I heard about. And they're like doing like the egg thing, you know, or whatever. But then because why start having fits? Why start convulsing and having fevers? Whole, and... The, the fits and stuff is a wholly different thing. That's like a attention-seeking behavior mm-hmm. because at that point, you kind of have to sell your narrative at that point to – because you've said, like, oh, this witch, like, to get the spotlight off of you, you have to sell that narrative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think at that point, you have to, like, be like, okay, like, I have to do these fits and stuff to get these guys to believe that, yeah, this witch – was totally like tormenting, tormenting mm-hmm. me, and that's how I do that. But I think like the the egg in the the glass or whatever mm-hmm. is just like the fortune cookie of middle school, mm-hmm. like trying to be like, oh, this is who you're gonna marry. This is what your house is gonna be like. Mm-hmm. It's just that type of adolescent innocence where it's like, I'm gonna do this weird thing that is kind of stupid. You're putting an egg in water. I mean, right, like, right. But, but the thing is, it's like, you know, I've heard that it will tell you who you're going to marry. Mm-hmm. So I feel like adolescent innocence brings a little bit of that stuff where you're like, I've heard this wives, wives tale about this or like, you know, the egg on the head, like, you know, and the juice run down or like, I can do this mm-hmm. thing where it's like light as feather, stiff as a board. You know, these folklores that just keep. And continue. And to. continue. Yeah. Yeah. So I think one thing that, you know, we haven't discussed is that, you know, we watched The Witch last night. <laughs> we did. <laughs> like, Ro- I was going to Ro- let Ro- you bring Ro- that up. <laughs> Robert Eggers' The Witch. And I think that's that's another thing, too, is that, um, like, that's a great movie. And, and just discussing what the witch craze looks like within one nuclear family. family. Mm-hmm. And um, if you haven't seen that, it's, spoiler alert, 
Well, let's be careful. A I'll be bit. careful with spoilers. In case, it but um, you know, this family is almost too religious for their Puritan, which is compound. ironic. And <laughs> and they're like, you know, they're too they, radical. They must have been Baptist, according to the Puritan. That's true. Information they could have been. So, but the thing is, though, is that they are kicked out of their Puritan compound, and they have to find somewhere else to live. Mm-hmm. They have one, two, three, four, five kids and two parents. Yeah. And um, they go to kind of like an open field that borders a forest and they decide to pretty much like start over start up start over and start a life there and they're making a homestead so like they're making a home they're making a place where goats can stay Mm -hmm. um corn they're making they're growing corn that's their main yeah their main crop there's a creek that's right there so there's a water source and so what happens is like the um, oldest girl, her name is Thomason, mm-hmm. um, played by Anna. The fabulous. She's amazing. Anna, um, what is oh, it? Oh God. Okay, I'm gonna look it up real quick. Before, but I, I, I'm having a brain fart. But um, so what happens is, is that like she's Thomason is pretty much. She gets it blamed for a lot of shit. She's it's the Anna, oldest daughter. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's Anna Taylor Joy, and she Anna is phenomenal. Yes. like in everything she's in. I think we mentioned it in another. Yeah. Uh, so, episode, but, but um, so she's blamed for pretty much everything. But there's one point where the mom's like, "Hey, like take your, take your brother Samuel and and watch him while I'm doing this other thing." And she's playing peekaboo with him, and then he gets taken into mm-hmm. the wood mm-hmm. by a witch. And what happens after that and the just the destruction of this small family mm-hmm. of like the wish craze. But also well, I'm what glad could... you brought that up. Yeah. Because um so if you look at the trivia of the witch, um or okay, so one of the things that um the director said that he wanted to leave it open to interpretation. I saw that. Okay. So he wanted it to be so that people who believe that it was really a witch and or witches a coven of witches potentially affecting the family or was it they them just slowly going crazy and he talked about the like potential where there was like corn with like a black mold Mm -hmm. and some people have said was that ergot or or, okay okay. but here's the thing Uh, so that was one of the things that was brought up apparently during the 70s um, there was a theory that what happened with the Salem witch trials was just, they were all like these girls initially were poisoned by ergot really? in the grain. And that's essentially LSD. Oh shit. And so they that were just like an entirely other level. Right. And so they were like going <laughs> fucking crazy. But the problem is that doesn't make full sense because then everyone be, would be affected. And it was only a hang group of people that initially like the young girls initially kind of like name names mm-hmm. and then um i i don't think i'm not i'm not buying into that because right. there was too many other people who were rational and then there were t- there were people who clearly were like naming people just to save their own ass in my opinion right so i don't think that it was a, a contamination of a fungus and an LSD potential thing. I don't think that's what it was. I, but that was a theory that was brought up and apparently in the seventies and there's, and, and the documentary I saw, they also were like, we don't think that's what it really was. Okay. But I wanted to bring that up because I thought it was interesting that he chose to include that fungus on the corn, but it's a subtle. It's just very subtle that you see the black mold or. I didn't even catch that though. It's in the, yeah, I've, in the I've watched that movie like, yeah. Numerous times. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, um, I think that wraps up yeah. what we wanted to say about part one of, um, which is really, it's it's a two-parter. We're talking about the Salem Witch Trials this week, but then actually later this week, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk about part two, which is really the hauntings that have, because of all the trauma that the city has ex- the town has experienced, as you would imagine, there are many hauntings. And so I want to discuss that in our next episode, mm-hmm. which we hope to record later this week. 
Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> so we hope you will join us for that. Um, as always, we are so grateful that you have joined us tonight while we step on spirits and talk about spirits. Yes, and also just a reminder, you can follow us on Instagram at spirited underscore spirits underscore podcast. And if you have a creepy story oh yeah or a like you know paranormal experience you'd like to send us you can send us a, email us yep email us at contact spirit of spirits at gmail.com we look forward to hearing from you bye bye